The simplest commercial baking resource. Brought to you by Bakerpedia and hosted by Lynn Carson with a PhD in grain sciences. Sharing knowledge and helping you grow connections. You're listening to the Baked in Science Podcast. Hello, Baked in Science listeners. Welcome to this episode where we will be arming you with knowledge on how to excel at food safety audits. I'm Lynn Carson, CEO and founder of Bakerpedia. Do you need answers to an ingredient or processing question? Trying to understand the origin of an ingredient or, or its FDA status? Look no further than Bakerpedia.com. Before we start, I'd like to thank our sponsor, AIB International. Founded in 1919 as a technology and information transfer center for bakers and food processors, AIB's original mission was to put science to work for the baker. This theme remains central to the programs, products, and services they offer today as they aim to empower the global food industry to elevate their food safety and product capabilities. For more information on AIB's food safety inspection offerings, go to www.aibonline.org. Today we have Stephanie Lopez, the Vice President of Food Safety Services for Americas at AIB International. Hello, Stephanie. Welcome to our show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me join you today. Well, you know, a lot of the bakers out there are wondering when they look at food safety audits before they pull out their hair. I mean, where do you start? How do you tell a bakery owner what's the first step they need to do in terms of studying their audit auditing program? That's a great question. And I think the, the first thing you need to do is set the tone for the audit. Um, unfortunately, a lot of companies out there, uh, bakers included, will set the tone that the auditor is really an adversary. And I think the most important thing to That's do right. is to understand, is to ensure your entire team, you know, at, your, at the plant level, understands that this is an educational opportunity. And even if the auditor comes in and, and finds an area for improvement, which, you know, most cases they are, the reality is it is so much better for the auditor to find it than, say, a customer or a regulator to find that issue. That's I think true. the most important place to start is with your attitude about um, what to expect from an audit. Right. So that's the thing I have with um, an auditing program. It scares people, you know. Um, it makes them run to their corner and, you know, look for you know, excuses. How do you prepare their personnel for this? How do you make them come out the shell without scaring them? What kind of tools do you use? Well, that's great. I think what, what you've got to do is, um, as far as coaching up the plant personnel, right. is remind them that this is their audit <laughs> and <laughs> that um, it should be educational throughout. And so really, I, I would position the plant personnel for um, peppering the auditor with questions throughout the audit. Hey, can you tell me what you're looking at here? Can you tell me why that caught your attention? 
Um, or right. Instead, instead of you, being instead of being abrupt and um, what do you call confrontational with the questions, right? You got to really ask the personnel need to really ask the right questions to understand why the auditors are, are picking out those problems. That's part of it, and then it's also part of it to um, to learn from the auditor. The audits themselves are really training and how to do self inspections. And what I'd like to think is those thoughts that are going through the auditor's mind are then kind of picked up and transferred to the team that's gone with the auditor, and they're learning how to be a self, you know, how to be a better self-inspector. So, for example, the auditor might stop for a moment and say, "Do you hear that?" And perhaps they're hearing a whirring on a piece of equipment. They're going to say, "My brain is telling me I need to go over to this piece of equipment right now and investigate see what's going on." Right. Yeah. I am particularly impressed by the food standards here in the U.S. as compared to many other countries. What is the government governing body or the regulation that controls all these audits that you uh, you implement? So for, for food manufacturers that are engaged in interstate commerce, so typically we're talking commercial manufacturers here as opposed to, um, you know, retail bakeries. But for the commercial manufacturers um, in the bakery sector, they are governed, governed by the Food and Drug Administration. Um, the Food and Drug Administration is the U.S. arm of the, the government that is responsible for the majority of the food supply in the U.S. Um, there is a separate group, the USDA, for, for meat and poultry. But, again, for our bakers on the line, um, we're looking at the, the Food and Drug Administration. And they're responsible right. not only for food that's made in the U.S., but also for food that is made outside the U.S. and is being um, shipped into the U.S. So the FDA is responsible for the new rules for FISMA? So FISMA is an update. It's the mm-hmm. food, FISMA is the Food Safety Modernization Act. That's the acronym there. And it is an update to food rules and food regulations. We've had food regulations in place since, I think it was 1908, so mm-hmm. it's been quite a while. But fortunately, they have evolved over time and matured and, um, and uh, you know, have become more thorough to uh, identify or address emerging issues. So, for example, allergens would be an issue that, um, you know, we had to adapt and, and amend our regulations for to address. And so um, one of these mega amendments is the Food Safety Modernization Act. And it's, it's been a real challenge for folks. It was signed into law in 2011. However, here we are sitting today at 2018, and not all of it has been enacted yet, meaning not everyone has to be in compliance yet. It's a very complex um, regulation. There are technically 41 parts to it. Seven of those required further rules. Um, So I I don't know. I have mixed feelings. Part of me thinks it would have been nice and neat if everything went into place at once (laughs) from an auditing standpoint. But then certainly when I put on my, uh, you know, my baker perspective, I think, oh, gosh, that would be overwhelming to have to put all these new programs in place at once. So I think the staggered approach makes sense. Right. Um, now, yeah. do anybody feel the current regulations? Do they fail it? Or what's the, what's the justification for not complying? 
Okay. So um, the, the word sale um, isn't used by the FDA, but there certain, certainly are significant consequences for not being compliant. Oh, okay. And the, the, those, those range. The most severe uh, version of that is the FDA has the authority to suspend or revoke a facility's registration, which means it actually has the authority to shut the facility down and they're not able to produce any longer until they've met the requirements. Um, so that's the most severe or significant uh, consequence. Um, from there, there could also be um, recall of products right. may be required, um, all the way down to a, um, a warning letter could be issued. And under our Freedom of Information Act, those warning letters are public knowledge. So there, there's a wide range of uh, negative, potential negative consequences of not being in compliance. That's true. What tools do you recommend to use to be FISMA compliant? Well, FISMA is so complex yeah. that I don't know that there's a single tool. Um, where where, do, where do you think our bakers should start? And that's what I would say is have a roadmap. And I think at each stop along the roadmap, you might need a different tool. Mm -hmm. But if you've got a good roadmap, that's what's going to help you. And at AID, we actually do have a document. It's, it's free to download, and it's called What You Need to Know About FISMA. Oh, and great. It breaks, it, yeah, and it, and it just breaks down. Um, it takes um, FISMA out of the legalese and the difficult terms and put it in real practical terms. Here's what I need to do. Um, and in some cases, it's a relief to the bakers because um, the legal jargon may have, may have sounded to them like something very new and complex that they needed to put, put in place. Mm -hmm. And when we break it down for them, we can point out this is probably something you've already been doing, such as approving your suppliers. You know, you've, you've got some sort of protocol for approving who your, who your suppliers of ingredients are going to be. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that, this document that we have, what you need to know about is, and I'd say that's a great roadmap. And then at each stop along the way, there's different uh, tools that you have. Um, again, AIB offers um, seminars. There are, you know, certainly our competitors have, have some similar seminars, but there's um, seminars to learn what does the rule say. Mm -hmm. We have consulting, so we can come out and kind of help you. How do we put this into action? Mm -hmm. And then we have an, an assessment tool where we can come out and kind of measure how are you doing versus the expectation and give you kind of some tips and pointers to close those gaps. So what I'm going to do for our listeners today is to make sure that that link to that uh, document is going to be available in our summary below. Um, anything else you would like to add, Stephanie, in terms of how can a baker with limited resources excel at a uh, food audit at their plant? Yeah, Um you know, I think the, the key, when I think about the plants that really stand out, those are the plants that have a team effort. <laughs> That's true. Um, That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that goes for their food safety. I think it goes for their occupational safety. I think mm -hmm. it transcends across anything the organization's trying to achieve. Um, when it's assigned to one group or one person, um, you don't get the buy-in that's necessary, and, and you really struggle. So um, getting that team effort, and I think that always starts with the, the top-down commitment. Um, so, you know, in, in, a baker, we're look, in a bakery, we're looking at the plant managers. We're looking at, the you know, the managers from the warehouse, from production, from right. receiving, all of the that sanitation. 
all those managers really owning it together. That's true. Um, that's yeah. true, and that's where I've seen bakeries being real successful is if everybody, production engineering, sanitation, owns a piece of that. So that's that's a great advice, Stephanie. Thank you. Yeah, and let me point out, that doesn't mean that they always agree. <laughs> and, I, and I think... <laughs> And, yeah, I forgot I think, about that, too. They don't yeah. always agree. <laughs> what well, happens then? A, <laughs> well, I think that's actually important um, to that they do can disagree. I have a, I'm going to tell you a little bit of a personal story here. Right. Um, when I first was working in the food industry, I actually happened to meet my, my husband working in the food plant. And I was the, the quality manager, and I found oftentimes I'd talk to um, you know, one of my call peers or employees and said, hey, this is what I need you to do. And I felt like sometimes I was getting lip service. They said, sure thing, Steph. And then they kind of walked away and said, yeah, I'm going to do whatever I want. And what I... <laughs> that never happens. <laughs> <And what> I, <laughs> you know, but, but honestly, what I really loved about working with my husband is he would stand toe-to-toe with me and he'd say, you know what, that's not going to work and here's why. And there is so much value in that Correct. rather than just kind of giving everyone giving it lip service, but going off and doing a different thing. It's like, well, thank you for cluing me. And I didn't realize why what I was asking was unrealistic. That's true. Um, yeah. So yeah, the communication yeah. and the teamwork has to be there and understanding that it's all to its one goal. Right. And that goal is going to benefit everybody. This doesn't benefit one person or make one person look good. So I totally agree with you. I've been in those scenarios as well, um, and it's really difficult. And your suggestion of making it work right there and then, you know, without lip service, I think that's the best solution, you know, uh, to, to, um, to move forward with in terms of agreements and disagreements. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. yeah, just knowing the food safety facts isn't going to get you there. There's this, That's true. This, uh, the, the social interaction, the psychological aspect of working in a team is, is, um, is going to get you half the way there. Right. Well, thanks, Stephanie. Thanks for coming on to the show today. I learned so much from you. If I've learned one thing in my career, it's that inspection excellence is only attainable with robust workforce training. Did you know that it actually costs more to hire new employees to manage food safety programs than it is to just invest in training dollars in developing your existing workforce? While AIB International, today's sponsor, equips bakeries to prepare for their food safety inspections and audits with expert-led on-site inspection training. Show your most dedicated up-and-comers, how committed you are to helping them excel by investing in their success. AIB is helping you reach your inspection goals with an exclusive offer for Bakerpedia listeners. Mention Bakerpedia Podcast when you call to schedule your next implant training, and you'll receive 20% off the price. This offer expires June 30th, 2018, so call now. We have Bonnie Beagle today here uh, with us as a guest, and she is the Director of QA for Americas at AIB International. Welcome, Bonnie. Hey, thank you. Thanks. Hey, Glad you, to be here today. Yeah, you know, we've been digging into uh, what is necessary to arm a bakery with the right food safety practices and we've covered a little bit with Stephanie and 
I have some more questions that you need to help me answer. For example, when you get into a bakery, who do you think should participate in the facility's food safety audit? Um, Well, there's a couple people I would suggest that you would uh, have participate in an audit. Um, um, We need people who Mm -hmm. have access to things. So depending upon the department we're going in, uh, whoever has the keys to open up things like... uh, receiving cabinets for the silos. Um, People can open and access strainers. Um, You may need uh, maintenance personnel to help us open equipment, uh, sifters, and that. Uh, Production people, so they help us uh, look at our employee practices. But one of the most important people we like to see uh, participate in a food safety audit is actually the plant manager because everybody on the floor sees that food safety is important to the quote unquote most important person in the plant. Correct. So they see that it matters to the management team, so it should matter to them too. Great. So other than the plant manager, how do you deal with personnel on the floor, especially those on the line interacting directly with the product? How do you how do you help them interact with you, the inspector? Okay. So first of all I'll talk to the supervisor and say, Can I ask that person a question. Uh-huh. And one thing I would coach um, any supervisor in a plant to let their people know is don't be afraid of the inspector and that, and to remind them they're the expert at their job. Um, we're not looking for them to be able to read back a procedure to us line by line. Uh-huh. We're looking to ask them to explain to us how they do their job in their own words. And that, so... so. I think um, I know why some people are kind of nervous and, and afraid to talk to you. Do you have mm-hmm. any tips on the responses that you're looking for? I mean, are there big no-nos or are there things that, um, that will help you in understanding the person's job? Because sometimes they just don't want to say something, you know, in case they get themselves in trouble, you know. No, no, I understand that because the uh, inspector is a, a big, scary, intimidating person. Right. And, <laughs> and most people love their plant and love their job, and they don't want to do anything that's going to neg- negatively impact the outcome in the audit. But um, um, the only thing they could say that would be wrong is to not tell the truth. Yeah, and that's that, true and, because and you're, you're going to find out eventually if that's something wrong. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. So, and um, believe me, inspectors are human. If we don't expect, you know, people get nervous. We understand that. Yeah. And, and, you know, if somebody gets super nervous, we'll do our best to say, you know, great job. Or or we may ask maybe shorter questions that's mm-hmm. easier for people to answer. Mm-hmm. And, that, and still get at the information that we want. But, uh, you know, people are people. It's like would be like me getting in front of a a thousand people and that I'd probably be a little bit nervous too. That's true. So, uh, and that, but, uh, um, we're yeah. just looking for people to tell us what they do and, uh, and, uh, to get at the, the truth of what's going on. Right. So the, the, the more honest a personnel is up front, the faster this goes along. Right. <laughs> right. And you know what? It's okay to, okay to say, I don't know. Yep. And it's also okay to say, you know, um, I'd have to ask my supervisor. About That's that. true. That's a good one. Those are yep. those are totally honest 
answers. Right, that's true. As a plant manager, um, as a plant manager, what tools and personnel should I have available for for you, the inspector? Okay. So tools, um, I'm going to want to see overhead, so access uh, to skyjacks, ladders, whatever I need um, to get into overheads. Um, I need some of your maintenance personnel in order for them to open up equipment for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I may and ask when we could schedule a break in the line or something like that or, okay. or ask them to go to bag flour for a while so we could check a sifter mm -hmm. and that. So uh, anybody like that um, that can do if there's keys and things like that that we need to get into ca cabinets, uh -huh. um, uh, we would need to do that too and uh, whatever access we need to things like the roof. Is there a um, rough estimate on the resources in terms of time that you need them? Um, it depends on how big the facility is mm -hmm. and that and um, how complicated uh, what it is that we're looking at. Okay. And that because there's some equipment that's very easy access to get into. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's some things that are put together like Fort Knox that... Uh, <sighs> <laughs> you know, it may take a little bit more time to disassemble. Yeah, that goes that. in plant we design try as well. To work with it. Yeah, we try to work with personnel, and we certainly don't want to do anything that's going to, we're not going to shut down their operation or anything like that to, to open something up. So we're very uh, flexible with working with the plant, and if that means coming in earlier or later or right. some odd hour of the day or night, you know, we'll accommodate that. Oh, that's great. That's great to hear. Um, my next question is, the concern that FSMA, FISMA, is so big, it can be hard mm -hmm. to track all of the new requirements. Are there any new records that they need to show during the audit that haven't been required before? Well, FISMA's been, it is big and yeah. that, and um, it has been a big thing for people to wrap their heads around. Um, so there's a lot of things that you're already doing as part of the plant. Mm -hmm. um, so um, I guess you need to think in terms of I'm doing it now, but I'm probably calling it something different than I did before. Mm -hmm. So um, it requires somebody who's trained and that, and training is a big part of FISMA. So we have to have someone who's actually trained on FISMA uh, who has actually oversight of the, the food safety plan. Mm -hmm. and that, but I can tell you one of the biggest things that I'm running across that's been kind of a surprise and an aha moment to people are in the, within the sanitary transportation guidelines because there's oh. one specific item in there that talks about driver training, mm -hmm. and that's not so, anything that we've really focused on before from a food safety standpoint. Uh, so driver training can uh, come from two ends. If you contract drivers, then yeah. as the company who contracts those drivers, you had, have to communicate to them. Um, what your requirements are wow. um, from the sanitary transportation standpoint. And if you have your own drivers, then um, as an inspector, I would be asking you, okay, well, show me how you've trained your drivers right. on your requirements for sanitary transportation. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really new. I haven't heard that one before. Um, from, so. an, from an AIB perspective, what makes top scoring facilities stand out? What are they doing differently that help them excel? Uh, the facilities that do the best uh, look at uh, food safety and they're planned as a team effort. Mm -hmm. It's just not a one-person show. Mm -hmm. And that's so they live together as a team or they die together as a team. <laughs> um, 
when it comes to uh, this. And uh, they all take ownership and responsibility uh, for what's going on mm-hmm. in the facility. And um, they have a desire to put out a food-safe product that their consumer is going to be really, really happy with. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a little hard to achieve sometimes with long-standing teams, you know. Um, is there a particular person that the plant appoints to speak to you? You know, someone that, that they would like to train to take over this particular position in terms of reg- auditing and regulations? Do you see a commonality um, among all the plants on who they appoint this person to be? Yeah. It depends. If you have a corporate, um, a large corporate company, usually they'll have a corporate director of food safety. Oh, okay. And then they'll have uh, a food person that's responsible for food safety in the plant. Mm-hmm. So that could be anybody from the quality manager or the plant sanitarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, it depends. And that, uh, if you have smaller facilities, um, so more uh, um, um, bake shops that are owned by a person or a family. Right. Um, a lot of times that person has to take on that uh, that hat That's of knowledge. True. That's true. That. And, he's, it, and it's pretty so, much easier to get them to work in smaller teams as well. So I don't think that's going to be a problem there. It's just appointing the right person who would take the responsibility. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Bonnie, this has been a great interview. Thanks for chatting and, you know, telling our listeners on what to expect to excel in their next food safety audit. Do you have any last words for our listeners in terms of getting ready? No, just uh, be vigilant every day. And that food safety is not an event, it's a journey. Yeah, so it's going to be a team oh. effort. It's a journey. We have to start somewhere, and everybody's in it. <laughs> yep, everybody's in it. So, well, so, thanks. So yeah, come as a food safe product. Yeah, and uh, you do. You personally do the audits too, right? Yes, I do. Awesome. I do so food safety audits. Yes, I do. Some of our listeners will be talking to you soon. <laughs> All right, that sounds great. Thank All you right. so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, it. Bonnie. Thank you. Here's the last word from our sponsor. Want to prepare your team to excel at your next food safety audit? Schedule in-plant inspection training at AIB International. AIB's expert team of food safety professionals is prepared to help you get audit ready. Don't forget to mention this podcast when you call 785-537-4750 before June 30th, 2018 to receive 20% off your next in-plant training. Well, thank you for listening today. Here's wishing you all the success for your next food safety audit. Till the next time, my podcast nation.